0: Crimson and Clover, a cool song, and a stylish restaurant in London's East End that's one of the world's 50 best restaurants this year. You're on the road with Chuck Kramer, Mr. California Wine. I live in London selling damn good California wine across Europe for the Tolado family. And this podcast is about California, my home state, the Golden State, and its awesome wines. This week, I'm interviewing the head sommelier at a restaurant that's one of the world's greatest. Every Thursday, we're going to have some fun and ultimately improve your boozing. The song Crimson and Clover was first sung by Tommy James and the Shondells back in the original hipster days of the 1960s. Personally, I prefer Joan Jett and the Blackhearts version of the 1980s. I was in university back then and just thought that this was one cool song sung by a badass female rocker. And this song comes to mind when I walk into this crimson and clover, super trendy restaurant that's located within the historic Shortage Town Hall on Old Street. This restaurant, the creation of owner and chef Isaac McGale, shares the same hipster vibe of London's East End, and opened doors in 2013. And one feels right at home at this very relaxed and friendly restaurant. Straight away, I felt that this restaurant would feel right at home in the heart of downtown L.A.'s Arts District, and I'm guessing that when Chef Isaac whips up his tasting menu, my guest this week has his work cut out for him, coming up with the perfect glass of wine to pair with each course. I get the feeling, though, that he's more than up for the challenge. I popped by the other week to revisit and taste our Sanford Chardonnay and Pinot Noir with my guests before their dinner service. He showed me around the restaurant, and I have to tell you, I was impressed. This place is cool. While the seller is, in his own words, the world's smallest, it packs a mighty punch. He's got some epic wines racked from all over the globe, including a blockbuster Napa Inglenook from the 1960s. I have to admit, I haven't eaten at any of the world's best 50 restaurants, although I do have a table booked for dinner at the Clove Club in December. California is known for its awesome wines, and our winemakers are making some of the best wine in the world. And these wines are the perfect match to go with any of the chef's creations at each of these 50 restaurants. California enjoys over 140 wine-producing appellations, including coastal, valley floor, and mountain fruit, ranging from Mendocino in the north all the way down south to Temecula, close to the Mexican border. California's wine producing regions benefit from an 800 mile long coastline that is the Pacific Ocean, giving California the best climate in the United States to make wine. Hey, I'm losing track of time and need to get back on the road. I've got a head psalm that's waiting to be interviewed. So buckle up, here we go on the road. A quick word from the buyer. Thebuyer.net is your connection to the premium on-trade. Thebuyer.net is your on-trade platform, linking key industry leaders, influencers, producers, and suppliers in order to improve reach and awareness in the UK hospitality sector. My guest this week loves his natural wines that taste like natural wines and enjoys a good sour beer. He's a British sommelier from the northwest of England and currently holds his WSET Level 3, yet he's seeking the green pin with the title of Court of Master Sommelier Europe. You're on the road with Mr. California Wine, and my guest this week is Sam Hancock, head sommelier, the Clove Club in London. Sam, awesome to see you, and thanks for being on the road with me this week.
1: No problem, pleasure. How are you doing?
0: Um, yeah, I'm doing great this morning. It was a good weekend. Watched some NFL last night at the Hippodrome Casino with some buddies. So uh yeah, it's good. What did you get up to? We went
1: out for a few drinks. Um, Tuva, my assistant had some She's moving to to Malta in a few weeks, which I'm quite sad about. But yeah, we uh, we had a good send-off for her.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I met her briefly the other uh, the other week. So what's she gonna be doing in Malta? Uh not too
1: sure. Uh her partner's a chef, so he's sort of running gonna be running this uh this exciting new project and i don't know what to is going to be doing so we'll okay. see okay
0: all right so right off the bat once she's gone you're 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 under the gun then right you're going to be under <laughs> a lot <laughs> of pressure
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i think so
0: <laughs> wow no wonder you're crying all right well listen the sam the clove club is a destination spot in london so tell me about this restaurant what makes it so special
1: Yeah, well, we're um, quite a small uh, fine dining establishment, Yeah, as you said, in in Shoreditch. um, One Michelin star and currently ranked in the top 50 world's best at 32. Yeah, it's it's basically championing um, British produce. Isaac uh, McHale, who's the chef owner, he's he's from the island of Orkney. um, And the seafood there is absolutely outstanding. So very, very sort of fish driven menu. As we're starting to transition into... The colder months we've also you know, we're going to be showcasing quite a lot of game um on the menu but yeah it's just really good produce it's not uh, manipulated in any sort of way it's all very fresh and uh nice clean pure flavors and um, with a nice wine list to sort of back it up as well so uh yeah it's, it's, there's not many fine dining restaurants in in this part of london so it's uh, it's, it's, it's nice to be uh in there working in this part of the, of, of the city
0: I love Shoreditch. You're right there off right there on Old Street. And then, like you said, you've got a great restaurant there, fresh produce, fantastic food, great wine list. And then you got the nightlife. You got Rivington Street. You got a lot of things just right around you to like hit afterwards, right? Yeah,
1: sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Shortage gets quite quite lively uh, after about half ten. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's 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 for sure. So how did you get started at the Clove Club? What was your big break as head sommelier?
1: I actually um, received a random phone call from a friend of mine who used to be uh, human resources here. Uh, I used to sell him wine in Manchester, and he basically came to, to work at the Clove club and just gave me a phone call out of the blue. we we were looking for sommeliers. At this point, I was working in Manchester, and he said, you know, if you want to join, then there's a job for you. Uh, and I said, yeah, sure. And they said, great, you've got about six weeks to, to get, get your stuff together and move down. So... That's, that was in August 2019, and uh, yeah, I've been have been here ever since.
0: Been there since August 2019, okay. What were you doing up in Manchester yeah. before coming down to London?
1: I, I was the, the head sommelier at a restaurant called Manor, so I, I was part of the, the opening team there, uh, and then we managed to get uh, Manchester's first Michelin star in nearly 50 years, within about 10 months of, of opening, and then and then moved to London after that. Um, prior to Manor, I was working in wine retail, at a wine bar slash wine shop, and then sort of always wanted to make the transition of, to being, being on the floor as a sommelier.
0: Okay, and how long have you been the head SOM at the Clove Club?
1: Oh, well, like two, two months, three months. <laughs> two
0: two not, months. Not, not too long. Okay, fantastic. So let me ask yeah. you this. What's the best part about the job?
1: Uh, for me, I, I love doing service. Service is always um, uh, one of the highlights. Um, it's very much uh, one of my favorite parts to being a song. Um, I also enjoy doing stuff like this with you, actually, podcasts and you know, meeting winemakers. Uh, they're definitely the perks. Tasting is always fun. Doing the food and wine pairing is always a, a, a perk to the job for sure.
0: And what's the most demanding part of the job? Probably it's the hours. Definitely the hours. So,
1: you know, you're here for a long time. Luckily, we only have a four day work week, but still it's the hours are quite, quite demanding.
0: So what do you do to chill out? What's uh, what's what's your what's your passion? What's your what do you like to do after hours or when you're not working?
1: Uh, (laughs) Other than drinking wine and beer? um, (laughs) No, I I, try and try and sort of have some time to to rest. um, Definitely watching sort of TV shows, movies, listening to music, just, you know, general socializing.
0: Yeah, just chilling out. All right. And then, so as the head there at the Clove Club, what's your approach to matching food and wine?
1: We, I tried like, to keep a nice balance, um, do some, you know, classic complementary pairings, um, but then also try and do some pairings that definitely sort of push the boat out. Um, people wouldn't necessarily... Uh, like try and surprise people in a way as well.
0: Just get them maybe out of the out of their comfort zone and get them to try something a bit you know unusual or different that they wouldn't n- normally yeah. go to.
1: hundred percent. I mean that's the beauty of doing tasting menus. I think it pushes people into corners that they wouldn't necessarily uh, go into and sort of you know try and make sure that people leave after trying something new or having sort of learned something new about food or wine. It's definitely one of the, the main targets when people come in, come in the, into the restaurant.
0: So what's the general attitude of, of say like your customers, are they keen to ask for help when it comes to wine? Mainly.
1: Yeah. That, that's our, our job as sommeliers is to make people feel comfortable uh, at a table. Um, Cause you know, wine is a pretty daunting topic and it's been made to be more daunting by the way how people sort of have spoken about and written about wine in the past. Uh, my job is to sort of, you know, try and take away all of the pre- pretenses, uh, you know, associated with wine and make people feel comfortable and make sure that, you know, whatever their budget is for that night, that they get the wine that's right for the situation.
0: Wine can be a major challenge. I mean, it can be intimidating, right? When you're looking at a uh, when you're look, looking at a wine list. I mean, how many bins do you have on a on on your list currently? Uh,
1: around about five hundred. 500. Um, wow. Five hundred. Wow. Yeah, I'd like it to be a bigger list, but we you know we, we, we're limited with the size of our cellar. I think uh, I think you've seen our cellar.
0: I've seen your <laughs> cellar. Yes.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, yeah, it's very small. Um, so that's one of the main is sort of the juggling acts of sort of you know, making sure we can fit all the wine in comfortably and that it's all organised and easy to find. Um, but you know, we have about five hundred bins at the moment.
0: Five hundred bins. And is it dominated by like, you know, one or one or two countries or do you have like a broad selection of everything? We're definitely we don't we don't we don't list wines
1: from everywhere, but we're pretty we're pretty focused on on, on European wines. Burgundy uh, is, is a very big uh, section for us with us being, you know, sp- sp- Sixty percent of the menu is is flavors from the sea. So you know, white white wine and sparkling wine are definitely the 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 options that I try and sort of suggest to, to our guests. So we do a lot of, lot of white Burgundy. Uh, we we also have we, we represent California quite well as well. I think.
0: Okay, fantastic. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get into that. But five hundred bins on a list that could be quite overwhelming to somebody for somebody who doesn't really you know, for anybody, I would say, I mean, just getting through 500 wines, I'm sure, you know, you've got an amazing selection there. Let me ask you this. You don't have to mention any names. You don't have to like, you know, <laughs> embarrass anybody, but let me ask you this. What's the worst wine decision someone's made when ordering a dish? And did you try and steer them clear of that decision? It, it
1: happens frequently, to be honest, It does. Um, where people want to, yeah, we, we and we have to gently sort of in a diplomatic way, sort of, Try and suggest guests uh, to sort of go for, for, for something different, but sometimes they they you know guests know, know what they like to drink and that's that's fine. Uh, but yeah, big 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 rich styles of wine um, with the menu, you know, be, you know amaronis and sort of quite heavily oaked sort of jammy wines just don't work with with the menu here at the Clove Club generally. So always try and sort of suggest um, gently to to guests to you know maybe go for a light lighter style of wine or or a white wine if if possible uh, and maybe save the red for for the main course
0: you know somebody wants like a classic you know Bordeaux from saint Estaff or something like that to go with their like you know whatever ceviche starter right that's just not gonna work too well but I guess if that's what they want you know and they're willing to spend the cash for that you just you gotta serve it right yeah sure
1: yeah yeah We're, we're not here to judge (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah at least while you're on the floor right how many <laughs> how many how many wine suppliers are you currently dealing with at the moment maybe
1: maybe a dozen or so that we're we put it's it, it sort of there's a cycle to it it depends you know um what we're what we're what we're wanting to use on the pairing and what we're pouring by the glass but i'd say we're probably working consistently with about a dozen suppliers but you know the we have we, we, we probably have accounts with maybe 60 60 or so suppliers it's quite, a, okay. it's quite a juggling it.
0: okay so a 12 core suppliers and then 60 maybe um, these ones that sit on the fringe they have something unique you just buy a couple of bottles or something like that from them right yeah yeah sure yeah and what do you look for in a good supplier for them to answer their emails quite quickly <laughs> uh, organized <laughs> definitely
1: organized uh, you know we um, yeah, sometimes you know you need you need you need answers and things sort of turning around quite quickly so that you can meet cut off points for you know delivery times and, and whatnot. But yeah, generally I you know I, I like I'm, I like to be quite I like to be in contact with 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 the suppliers that I work with. But, you know, yeah, there has to be a good relationship, and then it makes the whole whole buying process a lot easier uh, and fun. Yeah, generally you have to be organized.
0: <laughs> have to be organized. Okay, very good. So, what changes? Okay, you've been in this role now as head som for a couple months. So, what changes have you hmm. made to the list since since becoming head som? Uh, we've definitely
1: turned a, a focus towards um, listing more English sparkling wines. So I definitely want the wine list to be recognised for its uh, for yeah for having a good representation of of, of the English sparkling wine section because it's. Uh, growing and very exciting um, uh, category at the moment and we've definitely uh, turned a little bit more focus to the mm. the buy the glass uh, selection taking uh, good use of the of the coravan and sort of opening up some uh some some nicer bottles some older vintages um we're definitely trying to purchase more older vintages for the wine pairing it's something that's been really really enjoyable from a service point uh, mm. point of view is uh, watching people's reactions to to drinking older vintages because you know as a wine professional myself i don't get opportunities to drink you know a lot of older vintages and being able to share that experience with with our guests is uh, is quite fun.
0: OK, that's cool. And, this, you know, the Corvan. you're right. It's opened up so many opportunities, like you said, to try like more expensive wines by the glass, older vintages. Do you find that if somebody says, what's the hit rate in terms of if you pour some, if you use a Corvan to pour like a glass of a more expensive bottle of wine, is that being converted into like a, a, a sale by the bottle?
1: Not really. No, no, I, I would say no. Not for me personally. Um, no, it just um, it's generally, you know, people. A lot, a lot of our guests, and I think a lot of modern drinkers now are looking to not, not quite drink as much, but what they do drink is they're they're, they're happy to spend more and sort of you know go for more sort of premium offerings. So, yeah, we tend to sell just like three, three, three glasses uh, to to an individual guest. But they, no, I wouldn't say that it's translated into into bottle sales at the end.
0: You get more English sparkling wines on the list. You you're you're using the Corvine a bit more. Any big gaps to fill?
1: Yes, always. What,
0: always. What are you? What's? What's? What are you looking for now?
1: I think today, this morning, I've uh, been looking through some lists for, for German Riesling. Um, that's definitely um, a part of the list where we we could we definitely need to improve on here at the uh, here at the restaurant. Uh, definitely the, the more drier styles of, of Riesling and um, more Trockens. Um, so that's the sort of the more the most immediate focus for the winemist at the moment. Okay, fantastic. You, who it works are you really talking well to? with the menu. The Riesling works really well with with, with the food that Isaac, Isaac and the team uh, are putting out at the moment. So,
0: so who has a good? Who are you talking to for your German Rieslings? Who has a good list? There's a we have a, a, a
1: guy. He used to be a sommelier actually called Zygmars. Zygmars from Howard Ripley. has got they, they specialize in in German wines. So you know his his Riesling selection is outstanding um, so we'll definitely be, uh, be working with, with Ziggy at, at Howard and Ripley.
0: Okay fantastic all right so right now what's the biggest challenge you face in the restaurant and what impact is that having on the business?
1: Uh, there's 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 quite a few um, issues um, in the restaurant industry at the moment there's more there's more sort of immediate um, issues that you know, they'll fix themselves over time, but, you know, definitely staffing is, um, is a problem for, for hospitality at the moment. And that's ultimately, you know, having an impact on is stretching, stretching what we can do in, in, in service really.
0: Are you capping the number of reservations you're, you're taking because of the staffing issue?
1: Yeah, we're definitely, um, being, being mindful of, of how many guests we can accept for, for services. You know, there's a lot of, expectation behind the restaurant especially since the uh, most recent uh listing of the, the top 50 world's best you know we have to there's more pressure on us to you know deliver a
0: top class service so we have to cap to
1: make sure that we can uh still 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 offer that for, for maintain,
0: yeah maintain that level of service and quality but number 32 number 32 top 50 uh best restaurants in the world that's awesome sam yeah. this sam this podcast is about california and it's awesome wines so, what's your take on California wine today?
1: Um, it's one of my favorite regions for for wine, uh, specifically like Central Coast, uh, Sonoma Coast. But for me, um, we we the sommeliers as well at the Clove Club, you know, we 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 love to sell Californian wines to to our guests, and it, it it sings with the food that that we have at the Clove Club as well. So, yeah.
0: Well, that's that's great to hear. If you could fly to California t- tomorrow, which wine region would be first on the list and which producer
1: i'd go and see uh, matt and ben from benevolent neglect they're, they're based in napa i was supposed to do a harvest with them this year but we we weren't allowed in into the states due to uh coronavirus but i would uh, they would be the first people that i would i'd, I'd see straight up.
0: okay so you're dealing with what john and arthur over at nectar wines for those wines yeah 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 Nectar has a good California offering. So, how many California wines you have on your list right now? Maybe forty. Forty. Okay. 40, 50 maybe. Yeah. Which one are your top sellers? Oh, we do really well
1: again with all the Central Coast stuff. Um, we, we sell a lot of a Riesling by um, Adam Adam Toolback of uh, Ohi Ohi Vineyards. And um, he has a, a Riesling from santa barbara or from a vineyard called the kick on ranch okay Um, and we've we've sold, sold a lot of that recently recently
0: fantastic so about 40 wines from california that's a really good representation any new california wines that you're looking to add to the list in the near future
1: yes actually we are in talks with somebody about Listing Ceritas, yeah, we're looking to list some wines from them. So okay, uh, yeah,
0: fantastic, good. Well, I'm glad your focus is on California. I I agree with you, Central Coast, Sonoma Coast. You know, cool fruit, Pinot Noir, Chardonnays. I think you know those type of wines are are fantastic for your uh, for your list and those wines that Chef Isaac is putting together. Final question for this part of the podcast, Sam. What advice would you give a sommelier starting out in the trade right now in London?
1: Graft, um, be prepared to, you know, have to work hard um, and study as much as you can. The more knowledge you've got, the, the more fun service can be uh, and the more fun and better experience you can create for for, for the guests as well. Having, having, you know, good fundamental knowledge and background knowledge of, 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 of regions.
0: Okay, so but I think
1: important thing to be in some
0: knowledge doing a lot of tastings now that we're coming out of covid i mean tastings are wrapping ramping up in the trade which you can take advantage of what about yourself what are your what are your ambitions going forward in terms of say continuing education what are you uh what's in your sights
1: yeah i'm trying to trying to fit uh around uh quite a extensive work week uh, studying for my uh, advanced uh, court of master sommelier uh, certificate which luckily the exams not until sort of November next year. Um, but yeah, trying to trying to study for that whilst, you know, having quite a, a big work weeks, quite challenging.
0: So the quartermaster somale, Somali, that's a lot. That's a lot of work. That's a yeah. grueling, grueling course. I had Ronan Sabern on a few weeks ago or earlier in the year. And uh, yeah, you've got your work cut out for you, but I'm, I know you'll get through it.
1: Hopefully fingers crossed,
0: <laughs> fingers crossed, knock on wood, Sam, before you go, I'm gonna ask you four questions. I call this yeah. the I call this the bin in QA. Give me your first answer. What's the most overrated wine you've tasted?
1: Montrose, Chateau Montrose. But oh, it was, yeah, very, very disappointing.
0: Okay, Chateau Montrose.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe Sasakaya as well.
0: Sasakaya. I like that <laughs> straight off the bat. What's your desert island wine?
1: Oh, um, the white wines of uh, Lopez de Heredia. That if I had one wine to drink, it would definitely be Vignotondoni de Blanco.
0: Great shout. Which celebrity, living or dead, would you want to have dinner with at the Clove Club and which wine? Uh, Anthony Bourdain, 100 percent.
1: And he's uh, a hero of mine. I love the way how he writes about and talks about food and you know, the, the level of detail he goes into about sort of geopolitics of, of all the places that he visits. Uh, the wine would probably be if there was if there was no uh, cap and uh, it'd be something like Soldera uh, and uh, like a, an old vintage of Soldera or something like that.
0: Sounds like it sounds like a great night out. Yeah, Anthony Bourdain's come up a, a few times. Well, respected money, no object. Which bottle of California wine would you open with dinner tonight? Uh,
1: the 68 Rubicon that we've got in the cellar. Oh, um, Yes. That would be something I, I know I've not really had an opportunity to taste uh, any old older Napa wines, but I would definitely want to drink the 68 Rubicon.
0: My yeah. When you took me down to the cellar, my eyes went straight towards that bottle of wine. That would <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that would be a fun one to uh, to open up. Well, listen, Sam, you got a busy day ahead of you. Thanks for your time. And thank you very much for being on the road with me this Pleasure. week.
1: Yeah, no worries, Chuck. Have a nice day.
0: I want to thank Sam Hancock for being on the road with me this week. Sam is an awesome dude. I met Sam for the first time a couple months back while having lunch with Tim Gray, when Tim was with and Wines. The three of us sat down for a fun lunch at Bentley's Oyster Bar over a bunch of oysters and seafood, while quaffing our gorgeous Sanford Chardonnay and Pinot Noir wines with Bentley sommelier Corrado Ferla. Hey, someone has to do it, and it is work. Sam knows his wine and has a bright future ahead of him in the UK wine scene. Next time you find yourself at the Clove Club, let Sam do his thing and recommend a bottle or two of wine to match Chef Isaac's tasting menu. Now it's time for Wine of the Week, which comes to you recommended by Sam the Man himself. If you find yourself at the Clove Club, Sam's California pick is the Presqu'il 2018 Pinot Noir from the Santa Maria Valley. Prescale is a family-owned winery in the Santa Maria Valley, dedicating to crafting outstanding cool climate Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. The Prescale Winery is located just a little over an hour's drive north of the beautiful coastal city, Santa Barbara. And I have a fun fact for you. Did you know that the top two of the world's best 50 restaurants are located in Copenhagen? Noma and Geranium sit atop the mountain this year. The Golden State also boasts three in the top 50. Bennu in San Francisco comes in at number 28, followed by Single Thread in Heelsburg at number 37, and Atilia cren in San Francisco at number 48. Thanks for tuning in this week, and I hope you enjoyed our chat with Sam Hancock. And I'll be back next week interviewing Stephen Drury, hotel manager of the new Pan Pacific Hotel in London. If we can't hop on a flight to the Golden State, I'll bring California to you. It would be so cool if you would tell your friends about this podcast. See you next week on the road with Mr. California Wine. Take it easy.